My family loves Christmas. We love Christmas, and I'm sure many of y'all love Christmas as well. And so, um, you know, as we love Christmas, we love to gather around the Christmas tree, and we actually did that on Friday. Um, Friday night, we gathered around the Christmas tree, and we, we enjoy to actually um, watch a movie. Um, it's not a, necessarily a, a, a classic per se. It's more of a modern classic, and that's Elf. I love Elf. I don't watch a whole lot of Will Ferrell's movies because if you've seen one Will Ferrell movie, you've seen all Will Ferrell's movie pretty much. I mean, he's got the same sense of humor in pretty much every one of them. But in this, it's just a classic, just the way that he interacts with one another. And uh, it's just incredible. And so we, we laugh and we dance and we sing and we, we decorate our Christmas tree. And we did that Friday night. But we also have an Advent wreath just like this at home, and we, we share stories, we read the, script, the scripture together, and we pray together, and we reflect as a family. And I think that's so important to do that. Another thing, and I shared this with the youth, they asked me what one is one of my favorite things about Christmas, and one thing that we do often is this. Um, we gather with family, and uh, Hannah's side of the family is the Coltrane side of the family, and they love to get together and act out the Christmas story. And they're act, actually, the youth were like, did we get it on video? <laughs> and so Paulina was like, no. <laughs> but that's one thing I just love that they, we read every year, both sides of our family, we read, before we open Christmas, we read the Christmas story. But one thing that they do, I think is just classic, is they actually act out the Christmas story. And I just think that's just so fun. You know, we intentionally do things. You know, we intentionally bring out the Advent wreath as a family. We intentionally pray together. We intentionally read the Word before we actually open presents. On Christmas morning, we intentionally celebrate Jesus' birth. And we actually typically have a uh, Happy Birthday Jesus song that we sing. And a lot of times we get cake. Um, and we sing to Jesus because it's His birth. You know, we're intentional about many things, and I'm sure many of y'all are intentional about many things in your life as well. And so in this season, I think it would be appropriate for us to be intentional about how we respond to the birth of Christ. For we serve a God who was intentional. He intentionally came down to this world and was born a certain way People came around the manger. They sung certain songs. They were intentional about it. We serve an intentional God. May we be intentional people as well. So in this Christmas season, this intentional Christmas season, may we be Jesus-centered and others-focused. Jesus-centered and others-focused. I could stop right there, but I'd rather just keep on going. If God had, if you had um, big news, like the kind of news that would change this world, what would you do? Maybe you'd get out and buy a, bi a billboard that maybe costs $1,000 a month to rent, and it wouldn't matter because this is the biggest news of the world. Maybe you'd put it there, plaster it there. Maybe you'd make a t-shirt and start walking around with it. Maybe you'd do a, a, get a news, um, news article and Put it in the newspaper. Maybe you'd take up and put TV ads and 
go to Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and other social media outlets. Maybe you go to the radio stations. You let them cycle it over and over and over again. Maybe you'd share it with popular people. This big news, maybe you'd share it with popular people. Maybe you'd share it with the president. Maybe you'd share it with the governor. For me, I'd probably go to one of my most popular celebrities. I'd probably tell Jimmy Fallon because that man knows how to communicate and he's funny. But maybe you would share it in all different kinds of ways. God had huge news. Like the kind of news that would change the world. Literally. Yet God didn't go to the governor's house. He didn't go to the high and ups. He went to the lowly. And so this morning I want to spend some time there. God chose to send his angels down to announce the birth of Christ. He didn't shout it down from heaven audibly because God you know, could. He could have shouted, you know, but what he did, he sent, main, uh, he sent messengers down intentionally to share the good news. And so today we'll be in uh, John, John 2. John 2, verse 8. 14. John 2, starting with uh, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And so... The intentional message, this message that will change the course of history, this message that we know as Christ's birth, uh, it, it was brought down, not, and told, not told to the governor, not Caesar, not the, the most popular people. He didn't even go to the temple courts and tell the high priest. He didn't tell any of them. He sent angels his messengers from heaven, and he came to the shepherds. See, shepherds were lowly. They were the outcasts in that community. They were not the highest educated. You know, sure, they were educated to a point, but then they, were going, they went and tended to their father's flock. And they were out in the fields, and God shows up in, in angels and gives them the message. But shepherds weren't the high and, and mighty. They, weren't, they were, uh, weren't like the well-known in community. They were nobodies. Think about the lowly, the outcasts in our society. It would be like the angel coming to a homeless man or a homeless woman and announcing the birth of Jesus Christ. The shepherds. The shepherds that they received this news, they had to be a little bit concerned. 
Because in their minds, the shepherds, as they've heard the story passed down through history, they thought in their imagination, which other people had thought this as well, that Christ would come and he would probably come in royalty. You know, he's coming to be king, so he probably would be born in the palace. But here the, the shepherds receive this word and they're like, whoa, they're startled. They say, do not be afraid. You know, so they said, do not be afraid. See, the, the angels probably realized this about the shepherds, that they would probably understand this, and they would be like, well, how do we know that we can go there? Because, see, the shepherds wouldn't be allowed into the, the, uh, the high and ups. The shepherds wouldn't be allowed in the royal courts. And so the angels said, you will find the baby wrapped in clothes, wrapped in cloths swaddled that was something that shepherds did that was something that the they would be accustomed to so they received that and they're like oh wow then they also heard this as the angel said and you'll find them lie, the baby lying in a manger you wouldn't see a manger in the palace see the manger was something that the shepherds were accustomed to. See, in our, our imagination, you know, we, we picture a barn. I just want to fill you all in. It's not necessarily going to be a barn. <laughs> See, in, in Palestine, it was done different. They designed their, their houses different than we do. For us, we like to separate our, our animals from our house, right? which I would prefer that because animals stink, right? Well, back then... That wasn't the case. They didn't have huge farmlands like we do today and own that. So they actually had to bring their animals close by, right, for protection so that they wouldn't get stolen, but also for warmth. And so you can imagine in Palestine what a home would look like. You would see a family room, but then you would have, you know, kind of the uh, lean-to is what I call it, kind of where the animals would come out uh, and get under out of the rain and and in the you know whatever the elements um but then they would actually feed in a manger but the manger wasn't under the lean-to the manger was literally would put their heads through and eat from the manger that was actually attached to the common living area and you can go and you can see pictures of that throughout the history of how they designed their homes and actually, it says that um, there was no room in the inn. That same word in the Greek is the same word that is used in the upper room, which literally means guest room. So there was no room in the guest room. So chances are it wasn't an everyday inn that we picture in America, right? Like a motel. No, it was probably a, a, a home that uh, Joseph would have known because it was a family member. He was from the lineage of David. And he comes and he knocks on their door and chances are it was a family member that he was even talking to. And they're like, you know what? We don't have room in our guest room because somebody has already been here. But you're welcome here. Come on in. And they probably would have invited them into the family living area. And they laid him in a manger 
because it was cut out and it was in that, that, that house the way they did that um, back then. And so the shepherds knew that he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's lying in a manger. This is everyday normal homes in Palestine. So the shepherds would process this and be like, oh, we would, we, we would be welcomed here. Like We can, we can uh, take comfort that we would be welcomed here at the birth of Jesus Christ. And so then they went. And I love that about our God. He's so intentional. He doesn't necessarily just go to the palace. I mean, he could have. God could have said, all right, he's going to be born in Caesar's home. And he would be raised by Caesar. But he didn't. He didn't. He was born in an everyday, ordinary home of outsiders, of nobodies, of lowly. God identifies with the lowly. He identifies with the outsider. He identifies with the powerless. And I think that's something that differentiates us from the gods of the past, the gods throughout history. The God we serve, like uh, Pastor Tim Keller once said this in his book, Generous Justice. He said, this is one of the main things he does in the world. He identifies with the powerless. He takes up the cause. So for ancient times, the God of the Bible stood out from the God of all the other religions as a God on the side of the powerless and of justice for the poor. So the God who came and was born of a virgin was the God who was on the side of the powerless. But what did that message bring? That message came for the lowly, but it also came and offered salvation to all. Not just some, like maybe some people would like to, to think, oh, his message was just for this group of people. No. If you read in this, it says that it will bring great joy for all the people. You know what for all means in the Greek? For all. <laughs> exactly. For all people. See, the Jewish people pictured that he would come a certain way. He would bring about a kingdom that would be a certain way. But Jesus came to do so much more than that. He came to save all people from their sins. That's Jew, that's Gentile, that's men, that's women, that's rich, that's poor, that's you, that's me. We couldn't save ourselves. You couldn't save yourself. Those that were there with Jesus could not save themselves. They needed God to come and save us from our sins. As people were awaiting their Savior, though, they began to put their hope in earthly idols. We tend to do that here and now as well. We make idols here in, the, uh, in 2018. We might not call them an idol, but they're an idol. There was a stone, stone encryption, though, there in the first century that read this. The birth date of our God has signaled the beginning of good news for the world. You would think that this was written about Jesus, but this was actually written before Jesus. This inscription was for Caesar Augustus, the Roman Empire who ruled when Jesus was born and whom the people actually worshipped as God. 
Then Luke comes on the scene, and as he is interpreting, or he is uh, writing his gospel, he uses these words, and it sounds like he's just like sucker punching him. He's like, you know what, I've read this inscription, I'm just going to go at it. And he says this, I bring you great news that, you will, that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today. Some wonder whether he was taking a jab of Augustus, basically saying, you're not the real Messiah. You're not the real Savior of the world. Jesus Christ is. <laughs> and I think that God says that as well, even here today. As we make our own earthly idols, he looks at us and says, no, no, no. That's a little God. I'm a big God. The Savior that, that came 2,000 years ago is a Savior today. We don't need another birth of God for what he did with his life, his death, his resurrection was good and covered a multitude of sin. And so the intentional message offers salvation to all, but also it goes further than that. It offers peace for all as well, which we read in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to whom has his favor rest. For all this peace comes. In Mark 12, 30 through 31, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus came and he brought peace with him. He brought care for one another with us. He embodied it. He was, a, he was on a ministry of reconciliation, bringing others to God and also bringing others in right relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said this. He said, true peace is not merely the absence of tension. I find that a lot of people love that, though. And I'm sure that Martin Luther King can relate. That people love to avoid tension. But no, it's not absence of tension. It's the presence of justice. Jesus came to bring true peace on earth. And that means he came to bring justice for all. So we have a God who cares about the salvation of all people to the point that his son would come to die on our behalf. But even more than that, we serve a God who cares deeply for the poor. We serve a God who cares deeply for the outsider, the orphan, the homeless, the sick, the enslaved. You fill in the blank, he cares for all people. Through his followers, though, through us as a church, we are called to continue to bring about peace on earth like it is in heaven. And see, this needs to be a drive in the church, in the church of America, that we truly bring about peace that Jesus Christ brought about. And Jesus wants us to seek the Father on behalf of the wrong in this world and to bring about peace and justice for all. Not to just see it and pass by it on the road and see it in, before our eyes at our workplace and just say, oh, that's just a part of life. That's just the way it always has been. No, it's time for us to look at it and address it and call it what it is. 
That's an injustice. And if it's an injustice for one, it's an injustice for all. It goes on to... It says this in verse 15. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby and, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning that, what they had told, been told about this child. And all who heard it, were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so the, these mere lowly, these outcasts, these nobodies, remind me of myself. I wasn't born of any royalty. Chances are most everybody in here, I haven't met anybody that actually would uh, profess that they were in royalty. And I don't know, maybe you're hiding that from me. But we can relate with the shepherd. I relate with the shepherd. And what I love about this story is those shepherds, those lowly outcasts, they became the first evangelist. <laughs> they become the first intentional messengers to the world. Did they keep it to themselves? Absolutely not. They can't keep it to themselves. And if you truly experience what Jesus done in your life, how he saved you from your sins, and how he sends us out to make disciples and to stand for justice, if you truly experience that then you can't keep it to yourself you can't just sit in a pew every Sunday you have to live it Monday through Saturday as well and so we are called just like the first evangelists, just like the shepherds to go out into the world and to bring about good news to share with people about this Messiah who was born 2,000 years ago not tell them about Caesar not tell them about you know, the kings that rise and fall. Not tell them about the idols that we create in our, our hearts and our minds here in 2018. But tell them about Jesus Christ who is the king above all kings and lord above all lords. Who is the same yesterday, today, and he will be the same forever. We celebrate this Advent season of a Christ who was born. But we know the story of how it goes. He was born, he lived a life that was set apart like anybody else that ever walked this earth. He died on a cross for you and my sins and the sins of this world. But he conquered it. He conquered the grave. He defeated Satan. He rose, he was resurrected. And one day we know that he will come and he will judge the living and the dead. One day every knee will bow Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And so we are called to be intentional messengers. Sharing that with the world. Sent to share salvation. Sent to share about this peace that surpasses all understanding. And so may we go, but may Jesus Christ be centered. May He be the reason that we gather. 
the reason that we celebrate Advent, the reason that we live out our days, that Jesus would be the center of our life. And when Jesus is the center of your life, you are no longer in focus. It's no longer Dustin that I focus on. But it's others that I focus on and telling them about Jesus and being there for them and comforting them when they need comforting and also rebuking them whenever they need rebuking. (laughs) And so today, I hope that we can listen to that, that we can listen to this story. And we can turn to God. And we can um, die to self. Some of you here today may have heard this. You've read this multiple times. But maybe today it's penetrating your heart. And you're like, how can God be so intentional about coming into this world? Choosing to come and share the good news with mere shepherds. And here I am. In 2018, I'm a nobody, but God still cares so deeply about me. And He calls me to be a part of this family, this family of God. And you're like, Dustin, I don't know of this salvation you speak of. It's found in Jesus Christ. For what He did, it's a gift. Nobody deserves it. Not a single one of us earned it. Not a single one of our good works could actually do anything to bring it about. But it's a gift that we receive by the grace of God. And so maybe you're here this morning and, and God's dealing with you. I just ask that you would just give up your life. <laughs> it's what Christ said. Give up your life and follow Him. I'll tell you what, it won't be full of of everything great by no means you'll go through difficult times you'll go through times of suffering but I'll tell you this it will be full of great joy it will be full of great peace it will be full of love and so if that's you today I hope that you can just find Jesus today so we're going to sing this song we're going to close and um just want to first off open the altar if there's anybody that needs to come and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior I just ask that you would come as we sing alright so as y'all leave I have a little challenge for you you'll receive a card and it has some contact information for, for Dan River Westland Church. Points them to our website. But with these cards, I encourage you to pass out or hand out um, and take um, two or three, a handful, I don't care. Um, we got several, uh, like 500, 1,000, I'm not sure. So pass them all out. But what they say on them is, you've been blessed. Pay it forward. You have been blessed through Jesus Christ and so we're going to be intentional about that with our generosity the way we care for other people the way we lift Jesus up not just by word but also in deed amen 
And so with these, these little cards, they're pretty simple. Maybe you feel led to tip, uh, tip somebody extra nice, which the church isn't known for tipping. And that's sad. And I think that we need to change that. And me, I live differently so that people can know that I'm, I'm different. So tip well. And if you're tipping well, if you only leave like a dime or something like that, please don't leave this behind. But, but if they were great and you want to bless them extra, leave this behind. Maybe there's some other way that you, God wants you to do something. Maybe it's paying for gas for somebody. Maybe it's paying for the person behind you in the line, at the drive through line. I saw this happen a bunch of times at Chick-fil-A. Hundreds of cars being paid, paying it forward, you know, and whatever that may be. Live intentionally to bless other people this holiday season. And take these, and may they encourage you to live intentionally and to bless other people. And may then, in turn, they bless somebody else. All right? So as you go today, I encourage you to take these. Thank you all so much. Y'all have a great week.